Hello, I'm Steve Payman, President of the Chartered Banker Institute, and welcome to episode two of our podcast series, Credit and Lending During the Cost of Living Crisis. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Gardner, who's the UK Network Insights and Strategy Director at the British Business Bank. The British Business Bank, for those listeners who may not have not come across it before, is 100% government-owned, but independently managed. The bank itself doesn't lend or invest directly. Instead, it works with over 180 partners, such as banks, leasing companies, venture capital funds, and web-based platforms. Its aim is to drive sustainable growth and prosperity across the UK, and to enable the transition to a net zero economy by supporting access to finance for smaller businesses. And it does this by bringing expertise and government money to the smaller business markets. Their programs are designed to bring benefits to smaller businesses that are startups, high growth, or simply viable but underfunded. And they also have two commercial subsidiaries, the British Business Investments Limited and British Patient Capital Limited, which make commercial investments into providers of finance to smaller businesses in the UK. Sarah has been a senior leader in financial services for over 25 years and is a qualified banker. Starting at the British Business Bank in December 2021, Sarah is currently, as I said before, the UK Network Strategy and Insights Director. She was previously Head of Investor Relations and Rating Agencies at one of the top four UK lenders for more than 15 years, building the team from a standing start where she was responsible for 1,800 global investors and over 50 billion of funding and equity. She has successfully navigated through three different crisis situations, the financial crisis in 2008, Brexit, and more recently, the global pandemic, where she raised over 7 million of funding for vulnerable families across the UK. She was also one of the final 15 successful applicants in the government-sponsored Inclusive Economy 2021, focused on building back stronger. Earlier in her career, Sarah was also responsible for an SME portfolio. In her spare time, she's a keen runner and over the last 18 months, a key member of the Peloton trade community. So welcome, Sarah, and thanks for joining us today. We hear a lot in the news about how the cost of living crisis is affecting consumers, particularly in the last 24 hours, given the recent rise in, in base rate. But alongside this, many small, small businesses are facing an uncertain future because of the UK's economic challenges. So Sarah, from your expertise, what are the main factors affecting SMEs in this current cost of living crisis? Hi, Stephen, and great to be here today. Um, yeah, thank you for that. And, you know, you've highlighted straight away, you know, the high, the interest rate rise from yesterday has compounded, you know, it's been quite high rises after a prolonged period of low interest rates for many businesses. And the, obviously the geopolitical uncertainty, uh, Brexit hangover that's still affecting businesses. We see that particularly because of the lack of access to um, skills and talent in businesses um, that, you know, since Brexit, many of the uh, people have left and therefore the small businesses and the medium sized businesses in particular um, are struggling to get some of the access to talent and skills that they need. The other key factors that uh, many of them face is um, they just simply don't know um, what products or finance options are most suitable for them. It's that lack of financial understanding and then followed up by um, they, they don't know how best to apply for the funding. So, you know, I always recommend that they get a local accountant or somebody alongside them if they're not very financially aware to help walk them through uh, the financials, building a cash flow forecast and things like that. But definitely that always comes within the top three 
factors that it's just that lack of financial awareness of the products and services that they need. Um, and we have seen, because of the economic backdrop, um, a massive spike in businesses requiring access to working capital. And with working capital, I think they don't understand necessarily that there is um, a range of other uh, products they could use, like invo invoice financing, et cetera, and therefore they just don't apply for the relevant products that might help them with that lack of cash flow. Clearly, raising, raising interest rates is designed to soften demand in the economy and effectively reduce um, the level of discretionary spending and to push prices back down. That must be a very difficult space to be in for SMEs when not only is their cost of money rising, but actually the potential for revenue coming through the door is being squeezed at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's really, really tough out there. And we, we UK Network is basically the eyes and ears across all of the UK. So we hear it. And there are particular parts of the country that have been affected much more heavily um, because of lack of disposable income. So areas that are particularly exposed to uh, hospitality and leisure, um, like Cornwall and the Southwest, for example, you know, they have been quite heavily hit because as people don't have that disposable income to spend, it becomes much more difficult for them to navigate on top of, you know, everything else they've been facing over the last few years um, with the pandemic. You have a, a, you have a regional network um, at the Business Bank that you, you work very closely with. And, and I guess you just touched on some of the feedback that you've been getting from SMEs around, around the UK. Yeah. Yeah, basically, we have senior managers across all the 13 um, areas, regions and nations of the UK. And as I said, we like to say we're the eyes and ears of the British Business Bank. And basically, the role of our representatives all across the UK, the senior managers, is we have about 4,000 intermediaries that we interact with. And at times we do interact directly with SMEs themselves. And there are a really broad range of in, uh, intermediaries as well. They're not just um, financial brokers or independent financial advisors. We've got universities, we've got local authorities, um, we've got growth hubs, uh, the local enterprise partnerships. Um, and therefore we get a really, really good range of all the issues that businesses are facing across the UK. And then we feed that feedback back into the bank. We call it our intel on a regular basis. And then we look at the key uh, barriers and opportunities or issues that businesses are facing all across the UK. to work with the other teams in the bank to think, what can we do in terms of interventions, working with the government um, to try and help support some of the businesses that are facing some of these problems. I imagine it's, it's a very tricky dilemma to work your way through because clearly, as, as I said, the economic policy is seeking to soften demand to try and reduce pricing to take inflation out of the economy, whereas clearly you're trying to support small businesses to generate revenues and generate profits. So it does strike me that there is the same type of challenge in supporting SMEs as there is in the discussion around mortgage tax relief or some form of mortgage intervention for individuals who are struggling to pay their mortgages. So it must be a very uh, tricky balance to get right. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And, and you know, it, it is very tough out there. We, we're seeing it. And there are, you know, a big chunk of businesses at the minute that have either stopped trying to grow 
or have scaled back because you know they they're fearful of what's going on with the economy they're fearful you know of the rising interest rate environment and we've always had a good chunk of businesses in this country that uh, you, we call them permanent non-borrowers but you know they're running businesses but don't want to access finance and you know i think sometimes they don't understand that you don't necessarily need a term loan but some form of funding might help them just be able to run their business a bit more smoothly and you know uh, smooth out cash flow problems at certain points and those are all areas where the bank is trying to educate and work with businesses so this year at uk network with myself with all my banking knowledge and experience we're going to be piloting doing some more, more work directly with SMEs and getting them to understand the type of products that they might, might find useful and also, you know, how to pull together a pitch or a business plan or, you know, how what they need to. We have templates for cash flow and things like that on the site. So there are a number of different things that the bank does. Like there's, we've just done a webinar on business resilience um, and I was talking around that and they're all there to help businesses you know listen to the webinars and think about some of the issues that are out there and you know how they might be able to navigate around them so clearly um given where we are with interest rates and the fact that we seem to be prepared to if you like sacrifice economic growth for trying to get inflation under control it would seem to me to be a challenging time to start to think about setting up a business and clearly you know there are still people out there who are, who are thinking about that and and the British Business Bank play a key role in terms of the startup loan space. Yeah, so what are you starting to see coming through there? Um, startup loans, you know, is a huge success story for the bank. Um, you know, we, we've been operating for a number of years now in that space and basically trying to support businesses that wouldn't necessarily get access to uh, being able to start up their business from high street lenders. Um, so again, we work alongside delivery partners and we've had some great success stories um, of businesses that we've tried to help within that space using startup loans. And also what we do work with is also alongside the UK Business Angel Association and, you know, the teams across the bank. And we are, have heard for sure that startups are struggling to find angel finance. Um, I think there is always this understanding that potentially businesses can get their first 30 to 40,000 pounds, either from their own savings or from friends and family. And therefore, unless you're from a more wealthy family and you know, you've got that cash available, there's some absolutely brilliant ideas out there, but they can't necessarily progress because you know, they don't have that access to this friends and family cash that's there. And you know, even in this backdrop, for anybody, I would say, even if you have got those cash or savings, people would be reluctant to give them to somebody who's starting, you know, has a startup venture, um, because we just don't know at the minute what's going to happen. And that economic uncertainty stops that. So by us trying to develop or pull together angel networks. So, for example, when I was talking about Cornwall and the Southwest earlier, that's an area that definitely struggles to get angel funding. And then we have parts of the Northwest. Uh, some of the Midlands and some of the other areas that, again, they just can't get access. And it's almost like the, the Dragon's Den type funding that's there. Um, you know, we try and find these the angel investors and pull them together 
to develop a network. So UK Network is continuing to work in this space to see what we can do to help. Because some of these businesses have fantastic ideas. It's just the cash and support to get them off the ground. So we touched a little bit earlier on how businesses will navigate however long the, the current high, higher interest rate um, potential recessionary environment goes on for. Are there areas where you think the British Business Bank could help some more established companies work their way through the challenges ahead using the infrastructure you have in place? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, the British Business Bank investment portfolio. There's British patient capital that tend to be there to work and match fund uh, transactions with um, other um, funders out there, you know, and they're there to help the more established businesses, um, you know, so they've been in place for, again, a number of years now. And, you know, we've been a huge supporter in that space of businesses that are growing and successful in providing additional funding to make sure that they continue to grow and succeed. And as we come to the half year stage um, and we start to think about 24 and beyond, are there any areas where you think the British Business Bank will evolve um, to support the economy as we move forward? Yeah, we're, we're always looking to do that. That's why you can network the intel that we provide. We're always looking at what are we hearing out there? You know, what can we do in uh, terms of interventions? Um, we've also got one of our strategic pillars is the modern green economy. Um, we're very aware about ESG and sustainability and trying to support businesses. So I ran a set of net zero round tables last year, and it's very, very obvious that they're aware that particularly the younger generation, that you know, their reputation and they want to be seen to do things to for the environment. And you know, that's gonna be a key part of the bank's mission going forwards is working with delivery partners as well to ensure that our delivery partners are you know, moving towards the net zero transition and doing all things in a very green and sustainable way. And, you know, we will continue to look and help SMEs on this journey. I think the biggest problem facing SMEs in the green and sustainability area is the amount of jargon out there. And also, where do you start was the biggest lot of feedback that came in. Of where do we even start to measure our carbon footprint? You know, it's extremely difficult. As we know, we've got all these other things going on, the economic backdrop. Um, you know, the hangover from Brexit. And on top of that, you know, it's thinking about uh, net zero. And many of the businesses just can't, they've got too much coming at them at the minute to dedicate the time and resource to looking at the transition to net zero, unfortunately. And that's a really good point because, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that that was the overriding focus of politicians and, and many commentators, including the Bank of England. Um, and it seems that that has obviously been overtaken by economic events. And it's, it's really important, I think, that, that actually we remember that that challenge has not gone away. No, no, and absolutely, you know, it's why we've still got one of our strategic pillars that's focused on the modern green economy. Um, we have to do it sensitively because it is tough out there and we know it's tough and some of the infrastructure isn't there. You know, we had some businesses talking at the Net Zero Roundtables about, you know, we had a transport business in Northern Ireland that just said the infrastructure is not there. They would love to be able to move um, towards getting more of their vehicles onto electric vehicles rather than petrol traditional um, fuel. However, 
the infrastructure is just not there to support it at the moment. So there are a number of things, I think, with everything that's happened in the pandemic from a cost point of view that have unfortunately taken a bit of a back seat. But, you know, we, it, it's still there. We're very much committed to continuing on this journey, but we have to be sensitive to the other um, issues and barriers that businesses are facing. And it's quite likely, I guess, that during a period of real economic challenge where businesses are struggling to generate revenues because of the effect of the interest rates on the wider economy, that people will naturally gravitate towards maybe lower cost solutions which are not environmentally friendly and are, and are not you know, where we would like to get to in terms of the transition targets for 2030 and beyond. So I think it's a real, there are a number of obvious challenges with being in a difficult economic situation, but there are lots of, of adjacent challenges as well, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, it's even the supply chain. It's checking everything as well for these businesses. You know, that's a minefield. We, we've heard them talk about it. But, you know, out there, there is, and it was quite an uplifting set of round tables to be involved with for me when I first joined the bank, because, you know, there are a lot of people who feel passionately about the planet and about net zero and the challenges that are out there and watching and listening to some of those businesses that are so committed to it at the round tables. It was just so positive, you know, such an uplifting in a world where we've been hearing a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of stories that have been much more downbeat, sitting and listening to businesses, particularly, I can just remember one, the northeast of England roundtable, which you would think they're so much further cut off from London and everything, but it was one of the first roundtables and they were so energetic and so enthusiastic and talking about supporting each other and building network. And yeah, it, it was just fascinating listening to some of the stories and you know how everybody was approaching it in a very difficult backdrop of what can we do ourselves to help each other on this journey and yeah I found it absolutely fascinating and I said it was really uplifting with everything else that's going on in the background at the moment. Well I mean the outlook I think for the next 18 months or so I think looks challenging for homeowners and for businesses and, and for the broad economy and I think we all hope that the medicine being applied in terms of interest rates gets inflation to where it needs to be. And therefore, we can start to think a little bit about how better, how to stimulate the economy to create that demand in small businesses and, and employment and, and so on and so forth. In the meantime, are there any particular areas where, aside from the British Business Bank, you would recommend to our members that they can go and look for additional information around how to support the businesses that they're working with in their day-to-day -day banking yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely also point everybody to the British Business Bank's website because the Finance Hub has a number of great guides on there and aids uh, to support businesses and to educate what's out there. So, you know, we've got so much material, such great material. So definitely my first point would be to actually get onto the British Bank's website and actually the Finance Hub and view what's there and some of the signposting um, articles that are there and some of the research that's around to try and you know support them and educate them in these particular areas because anything because anything we do obviously you know there is something there and you'll be able to read about it and it'll signpost you to where else to go. That's a really good piece of advice because I know that we have lots of uh, members who are working in banks in the UK and, and indeed in other countries who deal with SMEs on a day-to-day -day basis. And I suspect they often get asked questions about how best to raise financing and how yeah. to improve business sustainability and resilience in the current environment. 
Um, so I think that's a really good piece of advice. Well, thank you, Sarah, for joining us today and sharing your insights into the issues that small businesses are facing during this cost of living crisis and for the work that you're doing to support small businesses through these challenging times at the British Business Bank. Thank you. Thank you. I hope our listeners enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, then please feel free to share it more widely via your social media. Thank you and goodbye.